Welcome back to the X podcast. And we thought we had so much fun in our last episode, we would do a part two. Pastor Matthew was gracious enough to stick around and hang out. Last one was a whole lot of fun. Yeah. Not controversial at all. Mm-mm. That wasn't. It was a lot of fun. I didn't think so. No. It was no. fun. Send your hate to Matt. That's <laughs> all, all I remember is you just going scrolling through my Facebook feed yeah. and trying, uh, trying to find things that are controversial. Finding all the You're such a screenager. Just always just stuck on your. Screenager, yes. Never heard that one? <laughs> no. <laughs> but I wanted to have a topic kind of both. Uh, personal but then also very specific to your roles again and that is the power of focus i've been i'm already thinking towards 2023 goals vision life Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff but before we go there even thinking back to coming out of 2020 the role of pastor leader and how that has continued to evolve i think even before COVID hit there seemed to be this pressure if you're familiar with faith context where the leader of, let's say, a sizable church, a modern progressive church, is almost like you need to be pastor, spiritual guru, marketer, business person, influencer, social media user, um, recruiter, all of these things. And then it seems like post-COVID that has only expedited because we've had to leverage different types of technology, different yeah, means. Tech expert. To tech expert, which you already are a tech expert. I I dabble, but th- I, that, dabble. that was a big challenge, I think, for a lot of pastors mm-hmm. who have no experience in that and did not have any kind of streaming, didn't maybe have the staff to do it. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. you you don't have a church, mm-hmm. really, if you can't figure out how to be how to stream online. What was that? I think Irma Manis said early in the COVID in the quarantine, he said, I fear this really is just on a practical level going to be the ice age for a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, depending on people's uh, ability to adapt and evolve yeah, and grow and learn and, and depending on where they're at. But anyways, I was just curious how that has landed with you two. If you, if you felt that pressure before COVID, if you've felt it increase since, and and, and I guess the, my specific question is, in, in a world, and I'm sure like whether you're a single mom out there, you can relate to this. And it almost feels like single moms, you need to be mom of the year, uh, yoga expert, dietitian, probably a homeschooler. Uh, I feel like in so many areas of life, we're having to wear way more hats than we did before. There's way more pressure to be educated on this, to propose this. Um, in your roles, how do you focus? And I know that's kind of specific, but I'm just curious, how do you decide in a day and a season, no, you know what, regardless of external pressure, like this is what I'm going to focus on, regardless of all things going on in culture and everything else, here's how I'm going to focus my life. For me, you know, being a pastor, I'm also a husband and a father of four. Uh, My four kids right now are on four different basketball teams. So I have my son's on varsity, my other son's on JV, the other one's on eighth grade, and my daughter is on our fifth grade team. So, uh, yeah, super busy. I think the number one thing you have to do if you're going to focus is you have to have a goal. Mm -hmm. You have to have a goal. Uh, a very purpose reason for for how you're living and operating. And I think, so we have different goals. So we have goals as a family. Um, and and when, I, when I say that, it's like, we, it's like the destination. This is what we're striving for in our lives. It helps us create our value system, helps us say yes and no to different things. 
And I think that's probably the major problem that people have is when they're they're having to make decisions, they don't have any specific goal defined. There's no, uh, there's nothing that's a priority. And so what happens is they just become captivated by the urgent, mm -hmm. whatever it is that just came about. They just say yes to it. And for us, like, so I'll, I'll talk about myself individually, but for us as a family, myself individually, I know specifically what I'm called to do. So um, this is something I, I've shared in different settings. I don't know how well, you know, it, it will resonate with people, but I've reached a point now in my ministry. I've been a pastor for 23 years. Our church is of the size where we have um, 24, 25 staff members or so we're, we're a good sized um, staff in that sense. I'm at a point now where I can pick and choose what I what I can do and what yeah. I don't have to do. Yeah. And a few years ago, I just went to our elders and I said, this is what I'd like to focus on. I want to focus on these three things with a, a sub fourth thing. The three things is I want to continue to be the primary teacher of our church. So I want to teach well. I'm going to be the primary leader of our church. So I want to stay connected to our ministries and creating the systems that would take us to the next season, next generation. So like some churches will say like the pri primary vision caster. So I, I want to be the primary teacher, vision caster. The third is I want to invest in our staff. And so I want to spend a ton of time investing in the staff. Mm. The fourth subgroup was I want to invest in other pastors outside right. of our church, mentor and yeah. help in that way. Uh, because pastors did it for me, I want to you know continue to pay for it. Um, but I have those, those three major things that I do, which allows me to say no to a lot of things yeah. because it doesn't fit into my goal, my purpose, what I believe God has called me to do. And so that's like on my personal life uh, and in ministry, in my family, we want to disciple our children. We want our kids to know Christ and to, and to grow in a, an active, vibrant relationship with him. So we know what we say yes to and what we say no to. So with our kids' activities, our, our kids are not allowed to miss church for sports. Never have and never will be allowed to. It's just not, and that's a, a really damaging thing. Wait, wait, what'd you say? <laughs> you want to yeah. say it again? It's probably one of the most damaging thing in modern day uh, mm. youth, I think, in the church is that parents allow their kids to miss church for school activities, for sports, for other extracurricular stuff. But the reason why is I'm not anti-sport. I was an athlete yeah. all throughout um, in high school. I, was, I played multiple four sports, actually, in high school. Okay, played college basketball. <laughs> but I want people to understand. Uh, how yeah, good you right. were. Uh, yeah, I was, I was amazing. I mean, he... He uh, <laughs> he basically built an entire gym and added it to his church that he like told everybody it's for the youth, but really it's so he can go and play basketball. Yeah, because I still feel like there's a lot of life left <laughs> in these forty three year olds. And uh no, but I'd say like I love sports. I played you know, yeah. played in college and stuff. Yeah. So I'm not anti sports, but I, I here's what I know. My kids aren't going professional, and even if they were, one of the things I hate when people say that, like, your kid's not going to be a professional athlete. I'm like, even if they were, yeah. that's not the most important when thing they're... because one day they're going to retire. Like, you mm -hmm. want them to know Jesus. You want them to be in a relationship. So when Mary and I are saying yes and no to things, who our kids hang out with, yep. what events they can go to, what they can't go to, what movies they can see, what they can have on their phones. Like, I don't allow my kids to have social media on their phones. They don't have social media at all. Uh, one of my sons, my oldest, has one account, but it's monitored. Like, we are really active in the in in all of the things with our children because we have a goal. Mm. We we know what we're striving toward, and I think if you don't have that, you, it's impossible to set priorities. And so, so many people are the reason why that they're having a hard time being focused. The reason why they're basically doing everything at a subpar level or sub optimum level is because they don't have enough bandwidth, mental bandwidth, emotional bandwidth, physical and strength, and all these bandwidth. Mm because they're saying yes to too many things. And in our mm -hmm. culture, uh, this is really a phenomenon. 
in the last 50 years, 50 to 70 years, one of the things that's changed is if you ask a person how they're doing, one of the things that most often is said is busy. I'm busy. In the last 50 to 70 years, that became a sign of success. Yeah. Whereas prior to that, if you were successful, mm. you didn't want to be busy. Mm. So if someone came to you in the 50s, even into the 60s and said, you know, how you doing? You were, like, if you were like, oh, I got nothing but time on my hand, what that signaled to them, you're successful, yeah, right. you're wealthy. And now we want everyone to think, oh, I'm successful because I'm busy. So we just keep saying yes and yes and yes. And we think that's the way to success. That's the way to look important. And it's just not true. Did you have a turning point with that? Like for a while in your life, were you on the whole treadmill? I mean, go, 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 achieve, achieve, achieve. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, right now there's this whole digital, you know, movement. Even the whole, if you're familiar with our faith context, like John Mark Comer, the whole Sabbath yeah. and rest. Is, is it some of that or did you just, did you hit a wall? I'm mm -hmm. curious for you how you decided, okay, now I want to go a different yeah. pace. Um, a couple things play into it. So I've always been a, a, a very driven person. Um, it's it's just my personality. And a lot of it had to do with athletics. I, I just wanted not just to be good. I wanted to be the best, but not in a, I have to be better than you. It wasn't like an insecurity-based thing. It was just, if I'm going to do it, let's do it, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had that drive my entire life. Um, I'm also always been a, like a leader and, and driven in that sense. But uh, one of the things I learned early on, it was a pastor said that influenced me, said, you need to have a Sabbath. And so basically for the last 20 years, I've honored a Sabbath in my wow. life. So it's on Friday. So Friday, I don't do anything ministry related, which is my profession. Uh, and more, more often than not, it's just spent with something that kind of fills me back up. What do you do? Um, hang out with my wife, honestly. So like we work out in the morning together, oftentimes with some of our staff. Um, so we work out, Mary and I will get lunch. Um, and then in the night we'll go for a date, date mm. night more often. And if not, we have like family pizza night and we'll watch a movie together. But my number one thing that fills me up is, is my wife and then good food, <laughs> right? Mm. So like doing those things together, seeing movies and stuff. So I've always honored a Sabbath, but when I became lead pastor, when the, I won't tell you the whole story of it, but when the elders offered me the position now, um, uh, 11 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, um, my wife asked me, she said, what will it take? And I said, I think for two years, it's going to take me working six days a week. Hmm. So I'm still going to honor the Sabbath. It's going to take that. After three years, she said to me really politely one day, she said, you said it would be two years. It's been three years and you're still working six days a week. Hmm. And, and I realized that's not sustainable and it's not what's yeah. best for our family. Mm -hmm. And so from that point on, I started making changes. And, and at that time, I went to our elders. And I'm thankful that I have really, really awesome, amazing elders. Like we have a very close relationship. But I went to them and I said, I need to hire more staff because what I'm realizing is I'm doing things that someone else could do and should be doing. We need to hire more staff. And at that point, it was like somewhat in faith. We got to do this. Mm -hmm. But they agreed to us. So we hired more staff. And from that point on, it has become my rhythm that I continue to do what God has uniquely called me to do, that I can do best and add the greatest value to our church and everything else. We need to train our volunteers or hire staff or just stop doing it. Um, and so I'll be honest, and this season is the busiest season I've had in a long time because I'm, I'm not just lead pastor. I'm also over our youth ministry uh, in this season just because we had some staff transition. Um, so it's really busy, but I'm recognizing that's not, that's not the ideal. And so I am working hard to, to rectify that uh, because this can't be a long-term thing. But in this season, it's, it's okay right now, but it can't be a long-term thing. Mm. But again, it's all based on, on goals. And I think the average person doesn't give much consideration to mm. what they're striving toward and what the ultimate product should look like. 
And so they just keep saying yes to things. It's hmm. good. How about you? No, what was the question? <laughs> nah, I've yeah. forgotten it. Um, the question is, yeah. uh, what are your goals oh, for okay. 2023? My goals for 23. No, what? How, how do you... I, mean, it's, I guess it's kind of like two part. How, how do you? Focus. Yeah. How do you yeah. focus? How do you navigate the dual roles of what you're doing in life and in ministry, and then decide? Okay, no, this is this is the direction. Um, well, one of the things that's helping me get better is figuring out what I'm not good at. So as I've been yes. growing and what I've yes. realized, I thought I was really good at that. That person's better than I am at that. Mm -hmm. And I think so. There's a little bit of humility when you get to the point where you realize. I, I don't have to do everything and I'm probably not as good as someone else at doing that. Mm -hmm. And I think when you get to that point, you can, you can release some of the things. I think it's hard. It's, it can be hard, uh, you know, for me, cause I'm also very driven and, you know, my tendency would be to lean more toward, I will, uh, I want the control, not because I, I want to do it, but it's like, if I don't feel like it's being done, I'm going to jump in and try to fix it. Mm -hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm trying to learn, you know, when you, you get good people around you, you don't have to do that. You can you can trust them to do what they need to do. And so um, I, I think personally and professionally, I mean, uh, personally, I'm I I have like um, I have goals, but I I don't have I mean, outside of like kind of same thing with like family, like whatever. <laughs> I am so like focused toward and kind of wired for building and creating for um ministry and my calling that honestly when I'm outside of that I really defer to my wife for what goals that she has for us and I don't I mean well, I wasn't working but it's like oh she wants to travel and do that that's that's our goals we're gonna go travel and do that and um you know I think it's just different in different seasons I I echo what you said you know our, our kids both um did sports and pretty active in sports I played sports growing up. my wife did not I played sports growing up and, um, but we, we had a pretty hard and fast role that you, you almost never would miss church. You know, sometimes they've had a, mm -hmm. uh, a tournament that would be out of town for all weekend and maybe go do that. But we, I mean, for the most part, you're always going to be at church on Sunday. Um, or when we had multiple times around the weekend, you're going to be at one of those. And I'm thankful for that because both of my girls still go to church and they're still invested in church and they love it. And, um, I, I think it's, uh. I think that is a, a big issue today is figuring out your priorities for your time. And so, you know, we've always, our family has uh, always kind of lived with, you know, um, we have family priorities, but we also know that the church and the ministry is a big priority of our entire family. So what's kind of cool is, is not, we've tried to not make it just something that is mine or mine and my wife's, but it's our families. Like, you know, this is like how we're, how we're going to live and spend our time. Um, and so I think, I don't know. It's it's interesting a different season. Your your kids are starting to get older too. I mean, you've got one that's uh, a senior and I've got one last one in the house who's a senior. And so it's like as I get a little bit um as I get a little bit older and I mean, our you're family, basically a grandpa. I'm basically yeah, yeah that news did come out then. You're 65 this year. Okay. Now let's not <laughs> lying. Okay. Um but I I think that I I have found that I I guess I guess the point I'm trying to make. I don't even know if I'm making this is I have asked, like, you know, my wife and my family have kind of in many ways have supported me in mm -hmm. kind of really feeling like, okay, as a family, we get behind you. It's not just a job or career, but it's like a calling and it's a, you know, ministry is, is more than just a job for us. It may not be for other people. But that's the way it feels like, you know, for us and has been behind it. So I, 
I think I try to honor as much as possible what she wants to do. Sure. You know, for for the family or that outside of it. Not that I have thoughts and ideas, but we do, and we try to we try to um, keep that focus. I also personally am such a creature of rhythm and habit mm-hmm. that I don't like anything to change it. So I don't I don't really have a whole lot of you know chasing after this and this. No, it's get up, it's do this, it's go to the gym, it's do this, it's do that. I don't yeah. like to change up my routine very much. And so I think, I think that kind of helps me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in professional, um, I, I do agree that I think one of the things I've noticed is even in what, what we do in today's culture, you know, the realization is, is it's like people get into ministry because they have a passion to either help people or maybe they want to, maybe they want to preach or maybe they want to this. And then you'll find out real fast that you also have to be a, a, a financial leader and you have to be, like you said, an influencer. You, now you have a platform. It's not just on the weekends, but now how are you going to steward what you do online? We talked about that previously. Um, there's, you know, you have to be up on everything that is happening culturally. You have to be up on all the hot topics and what's the biblical take on that. You got to be up on theology that's going on. Like, so the demand is so much more than like, say, leading a company. That's just, and I'm not saying that to compare because there's definitely a big challenge there, but that what is asked of you to be is so diverse in, yeah. in this type of context. It is really complicated. I think one of the things that we've done, um, you know, as, as a, as a community, as a staff is that we've tried to really narrow our focus. Mm-hmm. So one of the things, you know, our staff has done a little bit last year, we are doing this year is we've implemented something called 4DX mm-hmm. four disciplines of execution. And it's uh, it's a it's a great book, and it's more of a model of what you do with your um, with a little bit of your extra energy or your energy you can put toward it. And then the idea is just to focus all of that into one wildly important goal, mm-hmm. a wig. And so we met our our staff did just in this last month. We met, and um, we all I, I basically walked through. Listen, we all have a job to do, and all that we still have to do. But we're going to take and leverage some of our energy mm-hmm. all to move in one direction toward one goal. Yeah. And what it does is it really forces not just not just the way I'm thinking about what I want to put my extra energy in to move the ball this year, but it forces our entire team, yeah. everybody, regardless of what role you're on, to be thinking about that same thing. Yeah. And I, I think that has been something that I think it kind of unifies and it kind of helps us all. We're all moving toward one goal. It becomes a priority for our staff not that other things aren't important but it comes a priority for our staff and so I, I think sometimes you like I agree with what you said that if you don't have a focus or a goal what do you want to be I think even as a parent I think the I think a lot of parenting and it's and it's so interesting now because you know once you kind of get I want to say through most of the parenting you kind of look back and go gosh there are some things I know now I wish I had known a long a long time ago yeah, sure. no doubt but that. but I but I'm happy with where we are and I think at the end of the day, if you're, I heard someone once say this, I think, but if you're going to like, if it's parenting, if it's financial, if it's anything like that, what is a goal? A goal is look at the end of whatever it looks like. What do you want that to look like? And then work your way back. So if you're a parent, okay. And you're got little kids, you know, how do I parent? How do I make decisions about sports? How do I look at what you want at the end? What do you want at the end when your kids are grown and they're adults? Okay. I want to have a great friendship with my kids. I want my kids to all uh, still or hopefully have grown and have a, a faith in Christ the way I do. I want my kids to be active in church as they're adults with their families, with their spouses. I, I want to have 
still a, a, a regular family connection with them. Okay, so if those things, if that, that might just be for me what's important. You know, I take those. I need to work my way back, and I need to make decisions based on that. Mm-hmm. So and and I so I just think yeah. working for the same thing. You do the same thing in finances, right? Your, your financial stuff. You go meet with a financial advisor, and they're going to say, hey, "What do you want when you retire? Mm-hmm. Oh, you how much? What kind of lifestyle you want to live? How much money do you want to live on? Mm-hmm. What do you want? Oh, I want this. Okay, well, you need to be saving this much money. Yeah. Right. So no, that's good. So I think with the end in mind. I heard was it Jason Laird said uh, decision by vision. So let vision yeah. decide the decisions you're making. Mm-hmm. Would it be uh, I guess accurate to say that you both have kind of like lifelong? I mean, but you you both would say I have a lifelong calling. So then yeah. that in turn is a big goal of the kind of person I want to be, how I want to serve the church. But then would you say you have goals by season? Like would you two be the kind that would do you go into 2023 and say this year in my health I want to achieve this and in my family, I want to achieve this. In finances, I want to achieve this. Do you think that way? I do too, a little bit. Um, so, uh, what's interesting is, like, in the ministry. So, in my in my calling and profession, I am way more purpose than I am just in my individual life. Because I'm kind of like mm-hmm. you too. Like when I when I go home, it's a little bit more relaxed and and to some degree go with the flow. Um, but in ministry, I'm I'm hyper focused and purpose. One, just because it is how I'm wired, but two. I take the calling very seriously because it's not it, what's at stake. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, people's eternal salvation. I mean, we want people to know Jesus. So we, we put a lot of energy into it. Mm-hmm. So like in every season for us in our work environment, we set goals, we talk about it. So we just got back from a, um, a staff retreat of all of our directors mm-hmm. and we looked at our mission statement. We put stuff out there. These are our goals. How are we, you know, we critique and evaluate everything. We create action steps to get there. So it was multiple day process of just hours and hours of meetings where we're setting all of the goals for this year because then our team will go in and fill in the systems. So it's like that that principle is how we operate as um, a church and as a staff. In my own personal life, though, it, it's a little bit more relational than mm-hmm. like where I'm not. Like I set some goals like um, so this upcoming year, uh, my birthday's in May. So my next birthday, I've set some fitness goals for that time. Um, I want to be able to do like, I want to be able to snatch my body weight, bench press my body weight, back squat my body. Like I've done like all these different things I'm working toward. Um, I find goals just help me stay a little bit more focused in that. But when we're talking about like as a family, every season of their life, it does change, but the ultimate goal doesn't. So like the ultimate goal is, so you, you gave a bunch of really good different things, but one of those things has to trump everything else. Right. And so for us, it was, what's the ultimate goal? The ultimate goal is we want our kids to have an active, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. I love that. So that is like what we want. So in every season, it changes a little bit in that season what it looks like, but it's still that ultimate goal. So like, again, when my kids asked to hang out with certain kids that weren't going in that same direction, we use that goal as a defining element. So like I, I said this to my kids from an early age, I hope you like me when you're older but that's not my ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. My ultimate goal is for you to know Jesus Christ and to love him. So I'm going to make decisions that at times you're going to be very upset with me about mm-hmm. being your, your mom. And we've made decisions that, um, I won't sugarcoat it. We've made decisions where my kids have been in tears about because everybody else is doing it. Everybody mm-hmm. else has phones. Everyone else has this app. Everyone else can go to this party. And we're having to say, I get that, but that doesn't fit our goals as a family. And so that became a part of my kids' vocabulary mm-hmm. where they would even say to us, like, I realize that's like, we, we do things differently. I realize that. And so they understood the why behind it. Mm-hmm. And again, not easy when your right. kids are crying, like it's, it's an yeah. emotional thing because you're feeling that. 
uh, and, and that 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 tension of it. But it allows us to say yes to what needs to be said, yes to and no. So even like with Mary and me, um, like so here's what, here's a life goal I have. I want to finish. I want to finish well. Mm. My grand my grandfather was a pastor. Um, he passed away just a couple years ago. He pastored for sixty years, and when he got done, there was never once ever a hint of anything negative on his ministry. Mm. That's what I want. I want mm. that. So in order to finish strong, there's a lot of things I say no to now. There's a lot of pr- uh, protections I put around me. So like. Um, how I interact with the opposite sex. Like I don't do meetings and I, this is referred to as the Billy Graham rule. Yeah. You've probably heard it. It, our culture makes fun of it now. And I'm like, I couldn't care less because it's a rule to protect mm-hmm. everyone. My reputation, yeah. myself. Um, I don't have a lot of lost time. Like I, my wife, when I get in my vehicle, I always call her. I always let her know, like I'm on my way home. Like she knows where I'm at at all times. My wife has access to all my phones, my computers, um, anything. So like it, if my wife were to walk in right now without hesitation, I'd hand her my phone. Yep. You have the passwords. I don't want secrets. Why? I don't want to have anything sneaky in my life that mm-hmm. can hurt me from finishing well. So there's a lot of things like in my life that are, it's just goal driven. So in each season, it might look a little bit different. Like mm-hmm. I'm not like every single day where I'm like, I can't do that because that's not my goal for this day. I'm not that person, mm-hmm. but I have the big vision that I don't lose sight of. And so in seasons, um, we're making adjustments to it. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good that's great that's so good that's great this may be just a selfish personal question because i'll just be honest this is something i wrestle with and part of it just may be my wiring i don't know if it's the driven side of me or it's the neurotic side of me but mm-hmm. kind of related to focus one of the things that i've always felt this restless tension with is my rate of absorption versus execution and what I mean by that is, you know, as, as as a leader and as someone who loves to learn and always wants to get better, like there's so many podcasts at times I'm listening to, messages I'm listening to. There's your, you know, in the faith context, there's my daily devotions that I'm wanting to apply. There are the goals that I have. And at times I feel almost, I, I have years where I do better at this than others. And I have seasons where I do better at this than others. But at times I, I feel like I come back to, man, what do I apply? Like there's only so many hours in a day. I don't want to just read the scripture in the morning and not apply it. I don't want to just continue to hear mindless podcasts and not apply them. And that you get emails, and I don't know about y'all, I get emails in my inbox, Carrie Newhoff, here are the 10 things you need to do today to become a better right, yeah. leader. And then you read the the newest leadership book, here are the 21 irrefutable laws of that I need right. to do if I'm going to ever. Yeah. I, just, I don't know if you two struggle with that, but at times I'm just like, where do I start? what do I do and not do? And I'm just curious if y'all have any practical handles for how you approach the information you receive, uh, good information at times and how you apply, sift through that. Yeah. If you even struggle with that for me, that's again, it may be a weird rust thing. Yeah. It's probably a weird rust thing. (laughs) There are a lot of nests. I, uh, well, a couple of things that I do, I, um, you're talking about how much stuff we absorb. I, I will say one of the things that I think really did help me a little bit with focus was getting off social media hmm. for the most part because that is a constant, like, it's it's you're absorbing, but you're also wasting time half of the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think an emotional energy. And so when I, back in 2020, when I kind of got real serious, and I, I actually, it was because of a goal. Mm-hmm. I had given myself a goal that by a certain age, I wanted to have written a book. Mm-hmm. And so that wasn't the motivating factor because I, I had that goal like five years before I did the book. Um, but 
it, you know, I felt inspired to write the book, which was the real motivating factor. But the, in the back of my mind was like, oh yeah, there's that goal. I wanted to, you know, yeah. so I finished it in the year that I was that year, uh, not before that, but, um, but it was, but that was kind of the back of my mind. And so one of the things though, that I did in order to uh, give myself more bandwidth to do that was I removed a lot of those sources. So, I mean, for me, I guess I would say is I control completely uh, for the, you know, at least I try what I consume. Mm-hmm. And, and when I say that it's, um, and I, and I guess you, everybody controls it, but I, I'm not on social media hardly ever. So I don't have random stuff just coming at me that takes me down rabbit holes. And I just go into that. That helps a little bit. Um, secondly is I, I have some very normal rhythms of when I listen to podcasts and when I listen to, um, books mm-hmm. and, um, and, and so I kind of, I keep those rhythms when I'm working out, when I'm doing certain things, I, I have those kind of rhythms when I do it. Um, and I, I've been in a season which has been very helpful for me where I am, I don't watch the news. I know you said you like to watch the news. Right? I don't watch you the news. Read I, I, read I do. Because I, I can do read, it quickly yeah, and it's done. I will read curated news that gets sent yeah. to me via email that I'll scan through and go, oh, that article looks interesting or what's going on in the Senate, what's going on, you know, I, but usually it's like three or four minutes to read an article on something and then I'm done. I put it away and I move on. So I don't just spend, I try not to just spend unnecessary time and energy just sitting there, you know, absorbing mm-hmm. too much. I try not to, but I know in a season of like kind of restricting, I guess I would say not, not control, restricting the amount of stuff at dinner, it really enabled me to get to a space where I was beginning to think more about what I was trying to do. I'll tell you the biggest one for me was just social media. I would constantly see what everybody else was doing. And then it was it just, I'm speaking in a church context and I'd be like, oh man, maybe we should be doing that. Hmm. Oh, they did, they did it series. Oh, I guess maybe I should be doing that. When I stop doing that, and I ha- literally I'm oblivious. I have no. Some people go, "Hey, do you see what so and so is doing in Texas?" Nope, I have no <laughs> clue. Uh, for such a long time that it, it enabled me to actually focus on what do I feel like I need to talk about? What do I feel like God's pressing on my heart to do? What am I? And I think I actually started to receive a lot more of like inspiration, mm. and you know, it, it, and because I I wasn't as distracted, so. I, I, practical handles is hard. I mean, for me, restricting my time on social media was a huge one. I think that really made a pretty big difference. And I would say too, just not curating your your information, mm-hmm. curating your news, who yeah. you're getting it from, and ask other people. Like you, you know, you'd said previous podcasts. Hey, there's these two sources where I get my news from. Mm-hmm. You know, find out what it is and get rid of all the rest of the sources. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of the things I constantly do. This is kind of funny. Um, but you know how you have your email account and it just, you use it to buy stuff online, you do whatever. And for whatever reason, it gets on a million different lists and you just get spam constantly. I'm one of the people that with my, my main private email address, I was just doing it yesterday. I constantly unsubscribe. I spent 20 I, minutes yesterday. All I do is I constantly, <laughs> I, got the, I got them back. I know. Sometimes they say it takes days and sometimes I'll yeah. unsubscribe and I think they won't do it. Yeah. But I literally, or I'll market it as spam. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that the, the app does it. And because I don't want... Right. Tons of email just kind of like it just distracts me, and so I'm unsubscribing from lists. I'm you know I do that periodically, but I also that's something I do every vacation is I spend <laughs> like oh you do a solid couple hours unsubscribing from as many everything. Yeah, it feels great when you do. No, that. it's so good. So I guess you have to kind of control the narrative a little yeah. bit if you can. Uh, you know, 
I'll, I'll add on to what Tim said. I think one of the mistakes that leaders make is they just take in too much information. Mm-hmm. I think we are information overload culture, mm-hmm. and there is this, I think it's a it's just fake pressure that, that someone out there has some system that if I just learn it, I'm going to be a better leader. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, if you just have, like, a, a basic, um, I would say, a basic biblical worldview, you realize the disciples were not learned men, right? Mm-hmm. And, and like, they were effective in ministry because, they allowed the Holy Spirit to lead them. And that sounds like a really churchy or pastor answer, but I, I mean that genuinely mm-hmm. is what what God has called us to do, he's going to equip us to do it if we'll seek him in his presence. So like when, when uh, Peter and John were in front of the Sanhedrin and they were like baffled, they're like, aren't these unlearned men? Aren't these fishermen? Like, how are they speaking? Yeah. And that's what Jesus promised. He said, like, when you guys go, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to give you things to say. I'm going to remind you of my teaching. And I think as leaders, we would do well to to limit the voices in our lives mm-hmm. because um, whether it be just the next book that's about leadership or the next thing that some church is doing, because I, I agree with yeah. you, it can become the comparison trap mm-hmm. where you're looking at a church. The problem with that is um, one is I can't, and I don't, people that don't know me, I, I, I'm not trying to throw shade at a church or whatever, but you know, you hear these churches that are hugely successful and then like, I'll know people on their staff and they're like, behind the scenes, it's chaos. Behind the scenes, yeah. people are getting burnt out and stuff. Not every church that is growing and yeah. has big numbers yeah. and, and comes out with the next system okay. and that, that pastors a leadership podcast, not every single one of them is actually really doing effective ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I just talked to a, a person on staff of a, a very large church in our country, and they said- What was that name? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> oh, okay. And they said, um, you would be surprised at how few systems we had behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, you look at it, you go, Okay. And, you know, this is a church that will hold conferences and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You're like, well, that's w- bizarre. But I, I also think, uh, so not only sometimes is it not accurate, but also it's not your calling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not called to lead the ex-church. You know, like I love Tim. We we talk a ton behind the scenes. We encourage each other. We we ask each other's opinions and give advice. Mm-hmm. And it's it's gold. It's it's mm-hmm. golden, but it's like through the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. But how he leads his church is different than how I lead my church. Like we don't have the exact same system. So there's not going to be some other leader out there that I can just mimic. So I'd say limit voices, but then in your own life uh, about being focused is you have to build a system to be focused. Uh, the simple one that I teach our staff is this concept of, of plan, execute, critique, and repeat. Mm. Um, you have to plan. So I keep talking about the goal, right? Like you figure out what your goal is, but just make a plan in your ministry. So I mean, you can do this in your individual life. You can do this in your ministry is you know the goal. So you're planning on how you're going to reach there. What, what steps do we need to take? What event do we need to do? What do I need to implement in my life? Once you do it, so you plan it, you execute it, live out the plan, do the ministry, whatever it is, and then critique it. Mm-hmm. What worked, what didn't work. Then you you tweak whatever you need to, and then you plan again, and you execute again, and you critique. Like, it's so simple because anybody can do it, and yet not enough people do it. Not enough people mm-hmm. stop and critique their system to go, is this actually working? So if yeah. I constantly am distracted, I have to take a step back. And that's what all your stuff is so important about is I have to take a step back and go, what's distracting me from staying focused? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, you're probably like me. I don't watch a ton of TV. Do you watch TV in general? Some. Some, yeah. I don't watch, watch TV. Shows. I watch one show a night with my wife. Um, that's kind of like our thing that we do yeah. to stay connected. Um, and that's it. You know, I, and on Thursday night, I don't work on Fridays. That's my Sabbath. So Thursday night, I stay up late and, and we'll watch a movie or something like that. Yeah. Um, but besides that, I'm not wasting a lot of time on that. I don't have social media on my phone anymore. Um, I'm not wasting a ton of time in my life so that I can, can stay focused. The next thing I'd say about staying focused is rest. Mm. This is one thing that I've had to learn. Um, I even more so recently, I hate to admit it, but I'm old enough. I'm 43. So I'm old enough 
that my body just doesn't have the same energy it once did. And there are times I've realized during the day, so this is crazy, but during the day I have to take a nap. Like there are just times, it doesn't have to be super long, but like if I'm doing sermon prep and there are times, you guys all done this where you, you've read the same page mm -hmm. nine times and you don't yeah. know what you just read. Like if I'm doing that in my notes and I'm reading over and I go, man, like I'm having a hard time focus. Yeah, I've learned if I lay down and take a, a, you know, a 45 minute nap or um, or three hours, whatever it is, you take a nap. Three hours. Not, not typically that long, but if you take a nap, I'll get up and my brain will just be so much more fresh and I get more done. Yeah. I think so many people are operating at a, at a level of exhaustion mm -hmm. that they're having a hard time staying focused because they're just mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so you have to have rest. Um, and you need to do the, when, when I say rest, the freedom for what works for you. Mm -hmm. I have staff members that real rest for them is going on a hike. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not for me, right? So, like, yeah. for me, it's hanging out with friends. It's hanging out with my wife. It's it's watching a movie. It's relaxing. It's yeah. sleeping. Figuring out that so that you can get back to it. So, like, the, the principle of a Sabbath is the same principle as a tithe. A, a principle of a tithe with your finances is you're saying to God, God, I believe with 90%, you can do more than I can with 100. Mm -hmm. Same thing with a Sabbath. I believe in six days, God, you can do more than I can with yeah. seven. But I also think throughout the rhythm of your life, God, I believe, you modeled this. Jesus modeled a rhythm of rest mm -hmm. and honoring a Sabbath, but also pulling away and going off for a day or two to be secluded, to pray. Jesus was never hurried. He's like, you don't see him ever say hurry in scripture, run, you know, like we got to get to this spot. So there's a rhythm of rest. You got to figure out what works for you and, and do that unapologetically. Mm -hmm. And what is your rest is different than my rest is different than your rest. Mm -hmm. But like, that's a big part of staying focus. And so like, I, I think just simplifying it, not, and so I'm just not a fan. I, I would shock most people how little leadership books I read. Mm -hmm. um, I used to. I used to read them all, go to the yeah. conferences and listen to the podcasts. And I realized all their churches are different. All their lives are different. And so, like, I might read something to get wisdom on, like, parenting. I might read something to get wisdom on, like, like uh, health in my own life mm -hmm. because I know that's going to impact other things. But actual, like, leadership stuff, I really don't. I can't even think. I mean— even most of the stuff we read is more about culture shifts and change because yeah. it's more educating. It's not so much leadership stuff. But then, and then lastly, I started this, but if you're not seeking God, it's really hard to, mm -hmm. to stay focused on what yeah. he has for you. And you'll become captivated by the urgent of culture and it might not be God's calling for your life. So you might be run. I'm not saying you personally. So I realize that's, I'm saying you. Yeah. I'm, Wait, I'm, what the heck? You, general <laughs> man. You got a lot to work on there, buddy. <laughs> no, this but, is great. But think about how many people mm -hmm. are, are running and they're so exhausted running toward a target that, that I think if they stopped and had a conversation with God, he would say, I never put that target in front of me. Mm, it's good. Oh, and, and so I'm not empowering you to get there. I mean, right. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if, if yeah. Jesus promised that he's going to mm -hmm. empower us to accomplish the calling of our life, it's safe to say if we're running toward a calling that he didn't give us, he's going to not only not empower, he's going to disempower it. Mm -hmm. And so like there are a lot of people that, yeah. They're, they're feeling burned out in their families and marriages and all this stuff. And it's like, you're running toward targets that God never called you toward. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give one last example. I know I've talked a lot, but one last example of the danger of this. Uh, years ago, I was talking with this couple and they were having like legit marital crisis. And I said, when's the last time you guys hung out? And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. It sounds like a pastor story, you know, like where they make them up. But uh, the, the couple said like months. What are you talking about? They said months. Wow. Uh, that, and I go, what, what's going on? They said, our kids are in, in so many different activities. We haven't had dinner together in months. We haven't mm -hmm. gone to bed at the same time in months. We are just running in opposite directions. They're taking this kid to that way. And I yeah. go, so I, I, in me and my blunt way of communicating, yeah. I said, you're real nice. So yeah, I said, so you're allowing your kids' schedules to shape the values of your home and the goals of your home. And when your kids grow up and move out, your marriage will be nothing and you probably will be divorced. 
and and you're okay with that? And they were like, well, it's just a season. I was like, it's just a season your marriage mm-hmm. might not recover from. And I think mm-hmm. that's the danger is so yeah. many families are allowing kids and, and their wants and desires to shape the goals for the family. And so they're all running at all these different things. Yeah. And it's like, you guys, everyone needs to take a step back and say, what are our goals? Mm-hmm. And, um, and so like, and say no to things. So I, I'm unapologetic about what I say no to. Uh, it, it, people would be like, oh, I, you know, you should be, you should be burning yourself out, you know, doing this and that. And I go, no, nah, I don't see that in scriptures. Yeah. So I say no yeah. more than I say yes to things. I love it. I think it's great. I, you know, I have publicly shared some of the things that I look up to um, about you, Tim, and some, you know, especially during the book release and from this podcast and from platform, and there's so many things about you that inspire me. Um, Matt, two of the things I've always noticed about you, and I don't even know if, a lot of times I feel like that some of the strengths we have, we're, we don't even see them. It's just us, you know? And so I don't know how much of this is personality. I don't know how much this is the fruit of what you've been sharing that you've been practicing. But two things I've always noticed about you as a leader that has struck me is how relaxed and secure you are. Mm-hmm. And so some of that may come from the Sabbath thing. Some of that may come from personality. Not to be all Enneagram, you're an eight, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of eights, I know there is a natural confidence. Mm-hmm. But sure. I, I'm curious for anybody, because I think those are two great attributes to have in a leader, mm-hmm. really in a human being, mm-hmm. is to be relaxed and secure. Yeah, I just think there's power in that. And uh, I don't know where to riff on with that if you have you been told that where do you think some of that comes from what's what's the how do you build that you know it's come from this is going to sound like over spiritualizing myself but i'm not um, because i think it's available to anyone it really does come from a genuine heart of seeking after god Mm -hmm. i i i'm so purpose about like i I used to feel uh somewhat insecure of almost saying things like that because it sounded like i'm you know lifting myself up but i realized you know, as, as Paul said, follow me as I follow Jesus. It's like that idea as leaders, that's what we're called to do. If we're not modeling for our people what, what healthy life looks like, then we're doing something wrong. So like I, early on, I was like, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy in my marriage. I want to be healthy in my family. And so I had to be very purposed about things. So all the things that I'm saying is the reason why I have confidence is because I'm, I'm living out what I feel God's called me to do. So I am consistently seeking God. I'm consistently in his presence through prayer, through uh, reading his word. Um, and I'm, I really do invite the Holy spirit to search my heart. It's one of my most common prayers that I pray is search my heart. It's what David prayed in Psalm 139. Show me if there's any anxious way, show me if there's anything wicked about my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like a, a prayer that I, I often pray is I, I say to God, like, I want, I want purity of heart. Mm-hmm. Um, I want clarity of vision and I want increased faith. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I even taught our church that a couple of years ago for like the new year's message. It's what I prayed every day for a year. Mm. Purity of heart. Like I, I want to just not be, I don't want to have sin. I don't want to have hidden sin. I don't want to have things that are destructive to, mm. to my life and ministry. I want clarity of vision. God, just show me what you want me to do. And and then I want you to increase my faith because mm. when God shows you what he wants, it's bigger than what, what you can do mm. and who you are. But then he's faithful to to empower that. I think the average person is doesn't spend enough time seeking God and so they are running after a bunch of things that, and nothing feels successful. And so in that comes insecurity. Hmm. For me, I run after so few things. Um, and, and those few things seem to have God's blessing on them. And, and so it does give me a, a re- relaxation to it and a peace about it. Um, but it came through a lot of trial and error. I mean, like mm-hmm. there were years where I wasn't. I was the guy that was running frantically for years. And I went, I don't, that doesn't feel right. 
you know, it doesn't feel good. So like now in my life, seeking after God, I mean, like I, I again, like behind the scenes, if you were to talk to my wife or kids, they'll tell you, I, I put them as a priority. So like my kids, all four of them, all 100% love the church. Mm. They are active volunteers in our church. They look forward to it. So like on Sunday morning, uh, this sounds again, like an exaggerated thing. Mary and I have to be at church by 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We're both on staff. And uh, so we leave our house typically even earlier than that. We'll leave about 6.30. Our kids, who could come in later because my one son drives, asked to go with us so that they could just go and be at church and connect with their friends and serve and different things because they see it modeled in our home. Ministry is a beautiful thing. Like you said earlier about, I think it was this podcast. Yeah, it was this one. I can't remember because we recorded two. But um, where, like, it was your family calling. Like, they knew it was your calling. Like, that's how, excuse me, that's how it is for us. But again, it's because they're seeing it behind the scenes. They're seeing the value of it. Like faith is real. Faith is genuine. Yeah. And so I prioritize Mary. I prioritize my kids, uh, which means I have to say no to a lot of things. I don't do any evening meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, that's probably pretty yeah. rare rare for a lot of pastors. Uh, but just years ago, I just gave myself permission. I was like, no, I, if I can't, like, this is a weird thing. But people were like, well, I have to work during the day. Um, so I only tell I can come in at night. And I was like, um, so you're, you're saying you want me to come in at night and I'm saying, no, like, like I work during the day and it's like, you can come in during the day if you want to meet. And, and I'm not talking about crisis situations. I'm just right. talking about like yeah. people want to meet. So like, you want to meet during the day? Sure. I'll schedule a meeting and we'll, we'll sit down and talk, but no, I'm not doing evening meetings. I don't. So, oh, again, that's kind of a long answer, but uh, that's good. That's yeah. good. Um, good. always a couple quick questions to wrap up. I always like to ask this to five leaders around. And I know we talked about being selective on the content you consume and so you know there may not be anything particular you're reading but i always like to ask okay for both of you um what if anything you're reading or who are you listening to is shaping you could could be theology leadership culture whatever but what what are you consuming right now that is uh impacting you what are you learning i read it i'm not being funny here his book was excellent i read Mm -hmm. scary faith was really good for me uh, I know you would think I was being a joking, like, no, <laughs> I could be a smart dog, but no, like it, it, reading stuff of people that my heart can relate to. So like I said this to Tim before was when I read his book, um, there, there's a uniqueness about a lead pastor that only lead pastors understand being a lead pastor. And I heard a pastor say that years ago when I wasn't a lead pastor. And I thought like, I don't know what that means until I was a lead pastor. So like reading his book, even though it's good for the masses, for me, understanding the specifics of it, even being his friend behind the scenes. I was like, that was so good for my heart to hear. Like, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so this is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. He was able to put into words what it feels like, the scariness of faith and of mm-hmm. leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was good for me. Uh, this for you others. Uh, you go ahead. I'll, I'll pull up my, my reading thing so I can answer uh, better. One that I'm reading. So I, I consume probably, um, I would say, one or two, maybe three messages every week. Different people. Yeah, I'm not being funny real quick. What's the one I was currently listening yeah, to? Scary again? face. Scary listening. Face. Yeah. yeah. I'm listening to um, so I listen to a few different messages every week. I, I will say um, one of the things that I I am a uh, multitasker when it comes to consuming or absorbing information. So I, I part of it is, you talk about, if funny about focus, I would almost guarantee you that if I had gone to see a doctor um I would 100% be ADHD. I even still now, my wife says there's tendencies that you do things that is totally ADHD. Mm-hmm. There's there's things I do. So, so focus is a is an issue for me. Like I have to, I have to think about focus. Um, you know what's helped me is scheduling my my life. I guess just to, to like um, scheduling my greatest 
um, moments of energy into the most important things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first, almost, it's rare that I'll ever have a meeting uh, in the mornings, Monday through Thursday, mm-hmm. and I'm off on Friday. It's rare that I ever do it because that is where I, after I work out, I'm the clearest minded. It's I, your green zone. Oh, it's my green zone. Did you read? Carrie Newhoff, yeah. yeah the- it's my green zone. And so that's the time that I put toward one of my primary roles that I do. Like you said, what are the few things that you do, which is communicating, leading, preaching and stuff. And mm-hmm. so those hours, I try to, I try to protect those hours. And, um, but listening, you know, I, I multitask. So some people, when they work out, they need music to get themselves amped up and pumped up. I don't, I listen, I learn. That's, that's my favorite time. That mowing, doing those kind of things. Those are the times when I do So. Right now, I'm uh, listening to a, because I love listening to books more than I do even reading them, a book uh, that was recommended by not just you, but a couple others, but A Burning in My Bones by uh, uh, Eugene Peterson. Yeah, well, so, not by him, a biography of Eugene yeah. Peterson's life, which has just been fascinating. You know, that book has been recommended to me by like four or five other people. It, it um, in the last favorite three book years, not... You said that. Not ever book. Yeah, this might be my all-time favorite. It's one of, in the last few years, that book has impacted me more than any other book. Okay. Besides Scare of Faith. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah, fascinating. Besides Scare of Faith. Nice try. <laughs> um, and then I'll just, a couple other ones that I did. Um, I read Delete That by John Christ, his favorite guy. <laughs> and uh, it, John Christ, his favorite, you, the comedian you can't stand. Oh, um, I read his book, Delete That. And you are accurate in that. It was, it was, uh, that was, it was just it was kind of a more of a fun read, but he, he talks about his journey of dealing with addictions, um, you know, of applause, mm-hmm. and affirmation, what comedy did to for him. And, mm-hmm. and that was just kind of fascinating. And then I'm reading a biography on, on Albert Einstein right now. I love it. So for me, a lot of what I've read this past year, like I'm looking at a list of like a dozen books. I mean, I just read so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, actually, I listen to a ton, but, but you probably a lot of my stuff was like specific for a sermon series. I was yeah. doing like, no, you know, issues about what I was looking at stuff. But I think Live No Lies by John Mark yeah, Comer was so one good. of my favorites. Um, the Defining Decade was really fascinating yeah, like about um, basically how we've that's told people good. in their 20s, mm-hmm. like don't waste your 20s and how that's destroyed a generation. Um and then the other one, this is actually a pretty interesting one. The Coddling of the Americans oh, so good. is really good. Yeah, I think a lot of people uh, should read that. Just It's fascinating. I'm not sure. Is that That's not a Christian book, no, right? Nope. Yeah, okay. I didn't think Neither, Christian the two book, authors but... are Christians. Yeah. So. Fascinating book. I just refer, I just uh, recommended that to somebody. Oh, so good. Yeah. He's got a new one coming out. Jonathan Haidt. Mm-hmm. Is it? Yeah. I like Malcolm Gladwell stuff. So his yeah. is more leadership stuff. I find his stuff mm-hmm. really easy to process. And uh, so I, I like a lot. Of, I think I've read everything he's written. I told him I finally started reading David and Goliath. I'm halfway through. Oh, no, okay. I didn't finish. I once I picked up um, Bringing My Bones. It just it was a burning in your bones. It was a burning in my bones. One last question. I heard. Um, I think it was on a Chad Beach leader. He asked this. I loved this question because he talked about like how like powerful it is for a leader to have always something in their pocket. Like this is a a verse that's been speaking to me. This is a leadership thought or just something I've been chewing on. That's been like I I keep thinking. Um, Anything that you've had in your pocket recently, so to speak, like a a leadership thought you've been chewing on over the last week or month, a uh, a quote that you can't get out of your head, a uh, a verse that you've heard all your life that you just read and it's been sticking out to you. Um, you got one? I I would look it up. I I write down a lot of those. Like when I, I say, I know this was so bad as I know there's one. You ever had that happen where you're like, <laughs> it's so good I can't remember it. Um, uh, oh shoot, I'm just trying to think. 
I don't know, man. You got yours? Uh, well, I mean, just a thought I've been wrestling with. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, we talk about a lot of them. Usually, when I have them, I usually I usually flesh them out with you mm-hmm. a little bit or something. But uh, you know, I think just you know, right now, um, are you talking about like spiritual or you just no, doesn't anything. doesn't doesn't, doesn't matter. matter? Okay. Um, I think one of the things that I've been really trying to process probably for the last month or so um, was just everything around the uh, things I talked a little bit about with the all staff of trying to understand our current cultural shift and what's going on mm-hmm. has kind of been something that's that's intrigued me. That's something like in trying to understand, we, we, we talked about a little bit, I think, on a previous podcast, but what does it look like to um, do what do what I'm called to do in a post-Christian culture and what is the thing that post-Christian culture is obsessed with, which is self. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the things, if you were to go back over maybe the last year, I'm just trying to think and kind of parse through kind of if there's been a, a theme that has been woven through maybe some of the messages and the things I've done, it's probably trying to push back against this idea of elevating self. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like that's been something that's constantly been on my mind, not intentionally, but just as I think about culture and what I see in our culture, what I'm constantly trying to push aside. Rather, what does it mean to think about others over self? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been something that I've been um, I've been chewing on when I think about culturally. What's the cultural context mm-hmm. right now? So I had some quotes and stuff I've written down, but I don't I don't know exactly where I put them. But I don't know if you have something that you've been chewing on or even... Not, not so much chewing on for leadership stuff, but just a couple of uh, thoughts that I feel like just been in my soul. Uh, there was a poem I... Actually, it was my favorite poem when I was in high school. There was a book that they gave us in school that it was like 101... <laughs> famous poems. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. And uh, there was a poem called The Fool's Prayer. And uh, it's just interesting. Like, There's just different seasons of my life that I go back to it. So the basic premise of the poem is this king is having a party and he calls the jester to come up and to he asks him to to do a funny prayer like make us all laugh and this jester guy gets up there and he just prays the most convicting prayer mm. and in it like he uh like they even says like they couldn't see like behind this this painted on smile they couldn't see the bitter face that he actually had then he prays this like super convicting prayer about like like the the people that we've hurt in our lives and the words that we were supposed to say that we didn't like how much it would have meant to someone but the words we did speak hurt people like he goes to this whole thing and, and then in the prayer says it'd be merciful to me a fool and then at the end of the the poem the king gets up and he goes about like in his garden and it says like he whispers to himself oh lord be merciful to me a fool mm-hmm. and what what's like really been ringing true in my mind and heart is whether i'm the jester or the king i'm still a fool in need of mercy mm-hmm. And it's just like that reminder, whether I'm the pastor or the member or whether I'm like a leader or not leader, whoever I am, I'm still the same fool that needs mercy. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that like in, in self ridicule, like in the sense of like, I have like this, you know, beating myself up, but it's like, I realize I'm just broken and I need mercy. So that's the other one. The other moment was, I don't know if you guys watch The Chosen. I don't know if that is something you guys have connected to at all. It, I like it. it, it you know, there's, it's excellent. So I went and saw, um, the movie when, or they released it in theaters the first two episodes of this season and there's the the character in there that plays matthew so my name but um he's a tax collector but in it there's this line where his mom says to him like she almost like exclaims it. she says matthew he chose you and then he responds to this day i don't know why mm. and like when he said it like it choked me up because uh, like i mean that's like my heart you know like i go like i know god chose me but to this day i don't know why because i know of all the mm. the failures in my life 
So it's just like that constant reminder of God's grace uh, that I'm I need His mercy and um, and He gives it to me. So that's, I love that. That's what's going on in my mind? I love that. You know, there's this because you're a deep Calvinist, so you'll really appreciate this. But oh, I love uh, how you do that. Oh, that. Tr- <laughs> <laughs> so you ended the last one now saying something like about him voting Hillary <laughs> or something. But I love that Charles Spurgeon quote. He said, uh, "It." Uh, sure, I'm glad God chose me before I was born because he surely wouldn't have afterwards. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> I didn't want to tell you that with the stuff that I really think about. So, oh yeah, we'll, we'll be one of no, the things. no. <laughs> we promise we won't air it. We can... Yeah, they they've already cut recording. You can go ahead. And just, oh, I know to say no. <laughs> Worst thing you've ever done. No, that's <laughs> no. I I like to dwell and think about really. Um, Deep mm. theological and philosophical concepts. That's for it. I want whatever's noble, whatever's no. Okay, thinking about Jesus and time travel. That's what Jesus and time travel. Yeah. So you're kind of fleshing out some concepts right now of eternity and humanity. I'm, I'm and... working on some some mm-hmm. thoughts, but yes. Mm-hmm. So that's a fascinating one. Yeah. So Plus, do you, that... have, do you have anything in your pocket? Any leadership? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. What oh. about you? But you... see what I, I mean. I've written down kind of like you. There's all those things that yeah. burn, and then you write them down. This one is going to sound very just super simple and really spiritual, but in my own life, I feel like, because I feel like a lot of like the Christian life is just getting back to basics. Yeah. In my own life, I've just been gripped by the thought that every rise and fall in my life spiritually, emotionally comes down to prayer mm-hmm. and just the power of prayer. Yeah. And that it's... And, like when you when you really get back into a season of prayer, it's just like, like this, this has always been the key. I agree, hundred percent. Um, and so that that on a personal level, let's see, let me see if I've written what I've written down. Um, I mean, Eugene Peterson's book was so. I I would use the word so human and holy, and it was just such a I think. So many thoughts and images from that book have been burning in my mind of what true pastoral work looks like yeah. of being with people. And it, his book has made so much of, for, I'll speak for me, it's, it's sometimes what I spend my time doing seems silly. Sure. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's just, you know, he just burned to be with people. Yeah. And he had this colossal intellect. And you could feel this tension as you're reading the book between his colossal intellect and he... If he wasn't careful, he could just slide completely into academia, completely into his mind. Um, but he never could get away from the nitty gritty beauty of life is to be with people yeah. and to hurt with people that's and cool. weep with people. And that's been standing out to me, but also so encouraged by his humanity. And I mean, the book doesn't like sweep his humanity under the rugs, his imperfections, his flaws. Um, I'm, having, I'm having trouble finding my... Nah, no worries, man. But anyways... Thank you guys for sharing your yeah. thoughts and leadership and wisdom. Pastor Matthew, it's always just such a joy to have you. I love being here. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for being on with us. It's so great. Cool. Talked about a lot, covered a lot. Uh, if you have been listening, let us know something that stood out to you. And we really, really appreciate you joining us. If you get a moment, if you've not yet, rate, like, review, subscribe. And until next time, we'll see you next week. <laughs>